Do you know how income affects taxes in retirement besides your ordinary income bracket? How will your health care costs be affected by your taxable income? Will your Social Security be taxed in retirement? Do you have a strategy on how to take distributions that allows you to keep more of your money versus paying it to the government? Welcome to Reach Your Summit podcast, where we help you navigate the path to a better, more secure future. I'm your host today, Nicole Davis, and I'm the Director of Financial Planning Services at Summit Wealth Group. Today, Josh Jerry, a financial advisor at Summit Wealth Group, will be joining us and discussing taxes and retirement and how it's more complicated than you think. Welcome, Josh. Thanks for having me, Nicole. I think most people are familiar with, you know, paying income taxes and capital gains tax. Um, but did they really know, for example, your Social Security could be taxed too? And, you know, depending on your income, it could be taxed up to 85% of that social security and include it in your taxable income. And this really just depends on your income and it includes exempt interest from your investments. These are little things that I don't think many people realize and that may be a surprise for them in retirement. Um, The other thing is depending on your state, the state can actually tax your social security benefits as well. So, you know, where you live uh, has a play in that as well. And, you know, and another uh, possible uh, result of the increase in taxable income is Medicare premiums could also go up. The cost of health care is often forgotten uh, when we determine expenses during retirement. And this can really be a costly mistake because health care is continuously increasing. And the other thing to think about with, um, you know, the Medicare premiums is making sure that you look back two years for your income. You know, they have the two-year look back. So it's not just what you're doing now. What you did in the past also affects your your future costs and taxes. So how does one really keep these taxes to a minimum? And there are several strategies, but whatever one is right for you really depends on a person's specific situation. And the first thing I think that pops into people's minds when they're thinking about reducing taxes is just reducing your taxable income. It sounds really simple. But you not only have to think about your taxes now, but also in the future. We talk about tax planning for retirement, and it shouldn't really start in retirement. It's a kind of weird way that people say, you know, tax planning in retirement, but it's actually for retirement. And there's things you can do prior to retirement that will improve your tax situation. Josh, I'd like to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the things you have done either with your clients or other strategies you, that you may be currently using for yourself that you're doing your savings years to reduce taxes in retirement. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Nicole. And it is it is a very complicated thing, as you said. It, it's not just a factor of taking money out of a retirement account or having a pension, and that's basically just turnkey. And you know, a lot of people used to think about it that way and said, "Oh, I'm just going to collect my pension, and this is just going to be stuck in a high tax bracket going forward." But so many uh, changes in our retirement code and, and allowing Roth IRAs and um, also having businesses being sold, getting an inheritance, all these different pieces that are coming into play for each individual client is very personal and it affects everything in a different way. So not just taking a general rule of thumb and just blanketing it across all your clients is, is definitely not a good way of, of handling this. So leading into retirement, you really have to plan you know, four to five years ahead of retirement. Obviously, once you start re- 
saving for retirement and in the early years of your career, it's so important to get the right buckets built up. And I reference buckets a lot when I meet with clients because essentially if you break it down, there's there's three real main buckets. There's pre-tax buckets, which is your IRA, uh, typically your pensions and, and items that just never have been taxed before and you got a deferral on the way in. But everything you take out of those accounts are going to be uh, taxed at ordinary income uh, once you start pulling on those accounts in retirement. The second bucket is uh, Roth bucket. So you actually pay your ordinary income tax going in. And then in the distribution phase of life, when you're retired, you can pull money out tax-free. And so that gives you some flexibility if you're in a high tax bracket or a certain um, tax law gets passed down the road and changes uh, you into a higher income tax bracket, you can pull more money from the Roth versus the traditional. And the third bucket is really your taxable bucket, which is money that's already been taxed at your ordinary income and you take it and then you invest it, it'll grow with capital gains, which can be anywhere from 0% to 20% on the federal level and 23.8% if you add the Medicare tax uh, as well on there. So having those three buckets filled up over the years is very important to keep yourself flexible in retirement to be able to decide where to pull the money from. You mentioned you know, all these different factors. You got Social Security that comes into play and you can be taxed on that, which is so hard to believe for most people because they said, I've paid Social Security tax my whole career. Why am I paying it again? And and the sad truth is, yes, you most likely will be paying tax on your Social Security income, especially if uh, you don't do proper planning ahead of time. You know, going into some more of the specifics of actually how to build those buckets. You want to continue to contribute to all those different buckets. And every client has a unique circumstance or certain income restrictions on what you can contribute to. Um, So we want to work through all those with our clients leading up to retirement. But then even if you're retiring at an earlier age before your required minimum distributions come into play for your IRAs and your 401k assets, there are a lot of things you can do, which we'll dive into a little more later as well. But you can convert between the buckets from traditional bucket to the Roth bucket uh, when you're in some lower income tax years. And that way you're going to keep yourself in a lower income tax bracket going forward. So yeah, there's lots and lots of different planning uh, that goes into this. And so making sure you have the right plan in place, building those assets, and then also planning for the distribution phase of life is very critical. And I agree with all of that. Um, You know, the Roth option in 401ks has become more and more prominent. And the nice thing about the Roth 401k is it doesn't have limitation on income in making your contributions like a traditional, where I say a traditional Roth IRA, like a Roth IRA does over a Roth 401k. So, you know, anyone really can make the contributions to a Roth 401k as long as it's an option within their, their plan. So that is one of the great things that has really come about in the, an employer-sponsored retirement plan. But you still see a lot of people when they're saving for retirement, a lot of them are putting mostly in pre-tax dollars into an employer-sponsored plan or other retirement account. And, you know, these clients end up with these large amounts um, in these accounts, which, you know, like you were discussing before, creates that tax liability when they go to take withdrawals. So what options would you be looking at if you had this large amount of, you know, uh, pre-tax dollars, what do you do in retirement with that? Because it's all taxable. If you retire prior to age 72, there's a great opportunity for you to be able to move money from your IRA bucket to your Roth bucket, as long as you don't need to live on those funds at that time. So 
For instance, if all your career you were in the 22% bracket paying 22% federal income tax, and then all of a sudden you retire and your income goes to zero, you may need to live on twenty dollars to $30,000 a year from your IRA plus any of your other pensions or other items that you may have from an income source. But basically, if you drop from a 22% bracket to a 12% bracket, it opens up an opportunity because you're now saving 10% compared to what you used to be having to pay for, for taxes. So what you can do is convert some of that IRA bucket to your Roth. And the main factors you want to make sure you consider there is that, are you in a lower tax bracket now than you plan to be in the future because your your taxes will go up? And so in this circumstance that we're talking about here, if, if you're under 72, you don't, you aren't forced to take this money out of your IRA and you're in a low tax bracket of 12% or just any, even lower than what you expect it to be in the future, it does make sense to fill up those lower tax brackets in those years leading up to your required minimum distribution starting because once those kick in, it can be anywhere between 4 to 5% on what you have to take out uh, in that initial year. If you just have all that in one bucket, you're basically locked in once you turn 72 that you have to take that money out each year. So if we can try to equalize some of that money between those buckets in those years and give it enough time for it to grow in the Roth, it does make sense to, to make those transitions. So again, as we mentioned, so much of it just is a unique uh, piece to each individual client. Um, you know, From a Practical perspective. I mean, just meeting with a client the other day, um, we sat down and just said, "Hey, let's take a look at your tax return. Can you please provide that for us so we can see, um, you know, what your tax situation is as a business owner and, and someone going leading into retirement?" And it turned out they basically had a adjusted gross income of negative four thousand dollars after all their deductions. And I look at that and I said, okay, well, you have a, you know, a SEP IRA, a, a traditional 401k plan here with a large balance in there, but you don't have very much in your Roth. And so that was a huge opportunity where you could have converted at least $4,000 without having to pay any tax at all. And then on top of it, they had their standard deduction of 25000 that they did not use. So that was an opportunity to convert $29,000 to a Roth without having to pay any tax at all. And it was, again, it was a missed opportunity because we just didn't get to talk with them sooner on that. But now going forward, we're going to help initiate some of this planning before they get to social security and uh, required minimum distributions in the future. So that is a, a just a great example. The other thing I think of with them converting some of that funds to a Roth you know, a Roth doesn't have required minimum distributions, first of all. And like you said, when you pull it out, it's tax-free. If you're converting some of that those IRAs to a Roth, then your RMDs for that those qualified funds is going to be much less in, in the later years. And, um, you know, that is another issue that sometimes you see is, you know, people have these large IRAs. Maybe they're already in retirement. And maybe they don't have the funds set aside where they could pay the taxes to do the Roth conversion. You know, and another thing that comes to my mind is, hey, let's maybe spend down some of those, the qualified, maybe it's a 401k, maybe it's an IRA, but spend down those, just like you were saying it during those years that you have a lower, you're in those lower tax brackets, you know, fill that tax bracket up so that your later years, you don't have, um, you don't have to take out as much money because you may not need it, but you're going to have to take it out anyways and pay the taxes on it. So really just using that, uh, uh, your tax brackets efficiently, I think is something that could apply to everybody. It's just in how you do it. 
Um, like you said, it, it, everyone's situation is so different. It's hard to say, oh, yeah, you should definitely do this unless you sit down with a professional to really understand your situation and what and what you're looking to do with your funds as well, what your goals are. Being in the financial planning department here at Summit, you know, I'm obviously a big advocate for planning. And the earlier you can start planning for the uh, even tax planning, you had mentioned in the beginning of our podcast is, you know, in those earlier years, you're probably not making as much as you do later on. So it'd be a good time to stock some money away to like a Roth IRA. Your taxes are going to be a lot less then than they are later in your life where you've kind of worked your way up and are making more money. So um, I think just, you know, taking advantage of that, that lower tax bracket is a, something that can be really applied across the board. So we talked a little bit about, you know, just the Roth conversions and kind of circle back to the beginning where I was talking about, you know, we have these taxes, but it's just not your your income tax that it hits. You know, your income tax can actually lead to an increase in your capital gains tax. Um, and then looking at Social Security, um, Medicare costs. I mean, there's just so many um, other taxes that kind of come into play with that. So it's really important to look kind of across the whole spectrum and see if I take out more money, am I going to take myself out of any tax credits? You know, and how is that going to affect it? So even doing a, a tax plan where you're planning for the future, like a strategy, like doing the buckets like you talked about is great. And then also, um, you know, once you're in retirement, looking every year, or even when before retirement, looking at every year to see when you can do um, additional strategies. Absolutely. Is there any other things that you can think of that um, uh, ways, uh, you know, clients or anyone really out there can really reduce taxes in retirement? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because, you know, as a piggyback item with the uh, Roth conversions, you know, it's one thing just to make that conversion happen in those years where you're in your lower tax bracket, like just looking at that in a normal market environment, it just can make a lot of sense to do it. Um, But as you mentioned, there are taxes owed at that time, but still in the long run, it should benefit you and your beneficiaries uh, down the road uh, by making that transition. But the other thing you can always do too is like we're in a really unique time period right now where the markets are down again. And, and even back when COVID hit the markets hard and, and things dropped 40%, we even looked at that and said, okay, are you in a lower tax bracket than you're going to be in the future? Well, markets are down right now. So let's convert some of that IRA into a Roth because the values are lower and then the recovery will happen in the tax-free account. And the other thing that I forgot to mention earlier is that beauty of the Roth conversion is you don't have to sell your assets that you're converting. They can transfer over in kind so that basically you can just move a mutual fund, an ETF, a stock right into your Roth without having to sell it and be out of the market for a day or two because we don't want you to miss one of the better days because that can really uh, have a detriment on your performance. So that's the other beautiful thing with the Roth conversion. But similar to that line, I mean, yeah, trying to make those buckets equalize across the board so you're more flexible in retirement is definitely a way that you can keep your income taxes lower. Uh, Being more uh, tax-friendly investing within your taxable accounts that have capital gains in there, you don't typically want to own corporate bonds and things that are kicking off lots of high uh, interest that's going to be taxable. So being as tax-efficient as possible um, there's also things too with mutual funds and ETFs and some things that we can really make yourself more efficient 
when it comes to tax planning in a trust or a, a taxable account, essentially, because we want to keep your capital gains as low as possible. You know, other things we look into, obviously, for clients are municipal bonds, as you mentioned earlier, but that can still factor into whether your Social Security is taxed or not, but it still will save you on federal and, and sometimes state income tax by owning municipal bonds. So there are so many different ways to be more efficient within your investment strategies, not only just in the distribution of different account types, but actually looking at what we actually hold in those accounts can really have a big impact. And again, we run your financial plan. We have a software that we can look at your tax return and, and take a look and say, okay, where are some things that we could possibly add some more value by doing conversions? And then at the end of the day, whoever your tax accountant is, or who's going to be filing your return, we want to make Make sure we run these strategies by them just to have a double check to make sure that this is actually going to implement well and uh, be the best plan for what you need for your taxes. And that's the key and, and the beauty of partnering with us here at Summit is that we will be very thorough, look into all these different options for you, and then also make sure we're implementing that with other professionals that you have, uh, like your accountants. I think that is a, a great um, point. Although we do may do tax planning, we don't do tax preparation. Right. <laughs> you know, there is some great knowledge that you can get from, you know, someone that does your taxes to someone that's doing some more of the planning strategies and having them get together to have those conversations. Those can just be extremely, extremely beneficial for really anyone in that situation. Make sure everyone's on the same page. And one other thing too, you know, to, in order to lower your taxes in retirement, you can also, it's not going to be as big of an impact, but when the market does go down and you do have a taxable investment account that has some positions that have losses in them, we can do something called tax loss harvesting, which basically you sell an investment that has a loss on it. It is documented within your tax return as a capital loss that was realized. And then if you're able to invest in something similar, but not identical to that investment. And it, that way you're still involved in the market. So when it comes back up, you're still invested in the market. Um, but now you can use that loss that we just realized to offset future capital gains. And uh, the IRS gives us a, a, a really generous $3,000 that we can deduct off our ordinary income. But at the end of the day, it still is helpful. Every little bit helps. But you know, all these things come into play that we want to look at your strategy overall, because if you have a lot of tax losses, previously on your tax return, then we may not want to realize more losses just because you, if you pass away, those don't get uh, transitioned to your heirs. So you really have to use them in your lifetime. So we'll look at everyone's situation in particular for that. But really, you know, anything like that is really helpful um, as part of uh, someone's overall plan. But as we mentioned before, you're capital gains rates can be anywhere between zero and 20%. And as a married couple filing jointly, if your taxable income is under 83,350 for the year 2022, you don't pay any capital gains rate. So if, as long as you're retired and you don't have any other income sources that are hitting, there's a huge opportunity there to reset your investments basis by realizing some of those gains up to that $83,000 mark and not paying any capital gains on there. So that way, when the market continues to grow and you sell, you're not realizing as much gain, or basically you can just get those capital gains for free. I'm really glad you brought that up, Josh, because that is something we say, oh, everybody pays income tax and capital gains, but you don't really think about it. Not everybody does. Take advantage when you're in those lower um, brackets, but how you do it is really going to be unique to your situation. That's where that tax planning strategy, I think, just is, is so important. And then when you go to actually execute it, 
that's when you really need to look at your tax preparer and get those exact numbers of, okay, well, what, what do we need? We can help you come up with some general, very close numbers, but, you know, to get those numbers really looking at a, uh, someone that prepares taxes is, would be pretty important. Yeah, as we were talking about before, it is a very unfortunate side of this that you actually can get taxed a second time on Social Security. So you can file uh, for Social Security as soon as age 62. And most people's retirement, full retirement age to get your full benefit is 67. Now going forward, there's previous uh, generations and, and ages that will be able to file before then. But really, you can delay that up until age 70. So if you have no income up until those years, but then you get close to that age 70, you, you are forced to file for Social Security. If you're married filing jointly and your provisional income is under 32000 you don't pay any tax on that Social Security benefit. And sorry to go back on that, provisional income is adjusted gross income, not including your Social Security. You have to add back your tax-exempt interest from municipal bonds, and then half of your Social Security benefit is added to that provisional income. So it's really difficult for most people to keep their income under 32000 So most people are going to be paying anywhere between 50 to 85% of their Social Security benefit is going to be taxed at their ordinary income rate, which can be anywhere from you know, 10% up to 37% uh, on the federal side. And then the, the windows between is 32000 to $44,000. 50% of your benefit will be taxed. And over 44000 which most people are going to run into that, it'll be up to 85% taxable. So that's something we can definitely try to take advantage of um, as much as we can. But truthfully, most people are going to have to pay most of their social security benefit in taxes as long as they're over 44,000. So that's definitely a big piece that we want to make sure we're being as efficient with, especially if you filed for social security before age 72 and you don't want to take out a lot of money or do Roth conversions because they really could affect how much of your social security benefit you'll receive. And, you know, for Medicare premiums was something else that we mentioned. It does look back two years, as you, as you mentioned before, and you know, your standard part, B premium is $170.10 per month per person. Part D is $0 income adjustment as long as you make, as a married couple, $182,000 or less. So if you're in a high earning career and you retire and you go to get on Medicare, you could be paying a substantial um, Part B premium and Part D increase if you your income was over $182,000. So once you're in on Medicare at age 65 and beyond, it's really important to try to make sure you don't convert just enough of that Roth to push you over that bracket or realize too much capital gains to push you over that bracket. And so that's, again, something we will look at as part of your overall strategy to make sure that you're not uh, running into any issues there. Yeah, those are really good examples. And, you know, you really do see most people are not planning for the, those specific tax consequences. In, in retirement. So it is really important that, and all these uh, strategies that we're talking about, you know, there's so many different things that you have to look at. And it's not just what bracket am I in now? There's so many other things that play into it. Um, I just can't stress enough how important it is on the tax planning side. 
starting as early as you can because that way you can get into the right buckets at the right time like you had mentioned. It really does help later on in life. Nicole, one more thing I just want to make sure I mention is that one of the items that many people don't really realize that they can do this currently is the qualified charitable distribution from an IRA. This can really be used as part of a uh, lowering of your tax brackets in retirement once you're past the age of 70 and a half. So you can take out money from your IRA and give it directly to a charitable organization of 501c3, like a church or a charity that you would normally write a check for. And what that would allow you to do is that you don't have to pay any income tax on that distribution, and it would go directly to your charity of choice. And the beautiful part about that is really that money comes out of your IRA. So let's say you gave $1,000 from your IRA, it goes right to the charity. And, And normally, if you take the standard deduction on your taxes, you don't get to write off that charitable gift you just gave out of the kindness of your heart. But with that qualified charitable distribution, you can actually add that on top of your standard deduction and get the full deduction for your distribution. So starting at age 70 and a half, you can do these uh, qualified charitable distributions. And once you turn 72 and RMDs kick in, you can incorporate that as part of your RMD strategy by taking these qualified charitable distributions as part of your RMD each year and actually get the deduction on those. And that does count towards uh, satisfying your RMD for that year. Great. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Nicole. Just want to thank Josh for your for your time today. Thanks for listening to the Reach Your Summit podcast brought to you by Summit Wealth Group. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to cover, please email info at summitwealthgroup.com. Thanks again.